I'm Danny Hicks. Welcome to the Not-So-Secret Agent Podcast, where we learn from top real estate agents how they maintain a thriving business all while living the good life. Lisa Matthews, welcome to the Not-So-Secret Agent Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, jump on here with me. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm going to get right into the questions because I'm so excited. There is so much I want to cover with you. Uh, okay. Tell me a little bit how, about how you got started in lending. Um, I got started in lending because when my son was small, nobody had asthma, but he had severe asthma. And I was actually, I used to manage a Christian bookstore and I had to leave because no one wanted to babysit him. So I ended up um, getting a job with um, selling discovery toys, direct sales. And I was their sales director and we went on amazing trips, but you didn't make any money. But I got to take my kids to Hawaii to swim with dolphins and they went out of business. And then my sister hired me to be her assistant as a, as a loan officer assistant. And she did not have any nepotism. It was like one step above a Hebrew slave. She taught me everything. She was, she's an amazing person and she could do factors in her head. So she taught me. Um, everything from soup to nuts and also just about really good customer service and taking care of people and not trying to take advantage, but to be there to support them. Very cool. I mean, that that's a great mentor right there. I mean, that is uh, definitely one of the things that makes this business doable and kind of what one of the reasons we do this show is to kind of teach people you know, all the great things that we've learned and, and give that back a little bit, which is what's so great about this community. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Because you probably uh, hit a point where you do not need to work as hard as you currently do. Right. My my why is really, um, my why is I feel like this is a calling because truth and integrity are on the line in both of our businesses every day. And um, sometimes there's a shortage of that. So I feel that um, my whole philosophy about mortgages is that the home is supposed to bless you, serve you, serve you well. Um, and there's an opportunity there to really help people, not just to have a house, but to have a home and to have a good life and to set them up for success. And for people who want to get into investing, to guide them properly so that they don't lose their shirt and that they do a nice controlled growth because sometimes it's overwhelming if they do too fast. And also I found, um, I when I went to my first Buffini seminar, I, I thought, you know, this is interesting, but it's really for realtors. It's really not for me because I can use about maybe 70% of what all you all use. But I found that it was a great way to help my realtors to really be successful because I find that a lot of them it's overwhelming. Sometimes you get so much information from all these different places. So I thought that if I could choose a realtor and work with them and help them to grow their business, you can touch so many more people. And also realtors, it, it's hard. What you do is not easy. You have to keep on top of things. You have to advocate for people. You have to fight other realtors for things sometimes. Sometimes you have to fight your own clients because they look at everything on like Wikipedia, TikTok and all, and they think that granite is like a dollar. 
to put in or the cabinets or everything. A kitchen should cost $5,000 instead of 50. So there's so much misinformation out there that you kind of have to be the purveyors of truth. And me too. And even in mortgages, because sometimes people are not always respectful to their realtors. Some lenders don't always tell them the truth. They'll say, oh, you're going to be able to close on Friday. And one of my realtors called me and said, can I close on Friday? He said, did you sign your CD yesterday? And he said, no. I said, well, it's Wednesday, so you're not closing Friday. <laughs> so, right. Um, and some, but some realtors don't know that. You do, um, which puts you a little bit above. You should, I feel like the realtors should know enough just to go on to the next deal to know that everything is, is good. And you have to have somebody, because we're a team. You have to have someone that you can rely on that's going to be straight with you, that's going to tell you when a deal is tough, that's going to help a client when they have a, a rough spot too, and that's going to be creative and thinking and keep on top of the the deadlines. But I think it's important that you have someone that's really going to work with you and not just, not just look at you as a source of business, but look at you as a referral partner and a part of the team that you're working with. Because it's all about, the realtor building a team. I feel that realtors should be directing title, directing who the attorneys are, and the lenders too. And that's your support system. And I really try to empower my realtors to do that, to create a team around them of the people that they feel comfortable with and have that support network and really let them shine and work together. Because when you work together with title, attorney, a realtor and a lender and everybody's in concert in the same place, you can make miracles happen. Yeah, no, having that trusted team is so important to what we do. We need we need to know enough to know that our, our lender's doing right and, and right. you know, that sort of thing. But really mm -hmm. importantly, we need to know that we have a good lender and they're on 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 the team and, and things are going somewhat automatically. Because right. when you and are they, and they respect you and they respect your when a, when a lender, so this is how I feel, when a realtor calls me with a deal, they're handing me their paycheck and they're telling me to take care of it. So I, and your reputation. So I want to hand you back your paycheck and take good care of it and also your reputation. So one of the first things I do when I talk to a referral is I always ask them, how did you meet Brian? And then I tell them, Brian is amazing with the kind of, work that you're trying to do. You're looking to buy a four unit apartment and turn it into condos. He has extensive knowledge in that. So you're definitely with the right person because there's so many choices out there. You want them to feel that you made the right choice. Mm -hmm. You've chosen Danny, you chose Debbie Nessa, you chose Tom, you cho whoever they're choosing. But I can't be disingenuous about that. I want to know about the person. So I always try to get to know my realtor, to know their strengths, what they're what they really love to do. Because some love to do investments, some like first time home buyers. There's always a niche that somebody has. And it's nice to be able, it's fun to be able to brag about them. And the people feel good when you tell them something about the skills of negotiation, like Danny's well known in his community. You want someone like him negotiating for you in a deal. People know his name, they know his quality. So you're gonna be in very good hands with him, be a good journey home. Um, and that's that's part of, of being a team. The one thing I don't like is when people will say like, call my realtor, she'll get you the best rate possible. 
I, maybe I can, but maybe they don't have the best credit possible, or maybe they've had a bankruptcy or a foreclosure. Maybe they're only putting minimal down and they want the rate of someone putting down 20%. There's so many different factors that go into rates. And it's not just about rate, it's about your service and who can get you to the finish line too with the least amount of stress because it's a stressful and intrusive process, really. Yeah, literally moving out of your comfort zone, you know, your home, uh, and it is all sorts of uh, paperwork and things that you probably have not thought of in quite a while in addition to all of the physical logistics that we have to 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 navigate. Um, yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And having, I mean, the what I usually say about my lender is that they are going to be very intelligent. They're going to explain all of your different options and help you to make the decisions because that's what I push to all my clients anyway. I literally am saying I give you information to make decisions and I help you execute on those decisions. That's our role. Uh, I'm very, oh. very careful not to say I got you this deal or we're flipping this house and and I sold this. No, no, you're buying, you're selling. I'm just the guide. I'm just there to help you to get to where you want to go, but you're doing it. You should be the one taking the credit. And it's really important to have a good tour guide through that whole process that we do guide them through it. And that is important. And it's also, it is a journey about them and not really about us. Um, we have to make it look so simple that they're like, that was so easy and it was kind of fun. And then they get to come enjoy and enjoy your parties and whatnot after. And I think that's a really big thing is that um, a lot of times when you have realtors or lenders that they're just one and done and they mm -hmm. just like take you through the deal and that's it. Then you're with your servicer and if they call and they call you, I had a gentleman call me this morning early because his his um his payment went up eighty five dollars a month. It was his insurance, and he hasn't had a claim. So we're gonna help him to just shop around and see if he can get something better because that's a lot to go up for not having a claim and keeping everything nice and having good credit and all. And that goes back to your trusted partnerships. I mean, now the insurance guy is definitely on your team. Uh, one of the things that you pitched to me, uh, well, we it just came up in our conversation splitting title from the attorney. Attorneys do a great job and they usually have a title company that they prefer that they usually have an ownership in. Right. But the buyer has the right to choose which title company that they want to use. Mm -hmm. And, and so, this is the Danny show. It's your show. So you, I really believe in my heart that every realtor should be directing title. You're the one who's the giver of the business. You're the one who is sending to the attorney, to the lender, to the title, to the insurance, you should be directing that. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I just didn't, had never dawned on me. I mean, I had tried, you know, I have, my business is big enough that I get title companies ask, offering me joint ventures on a regular basis. That's normal. But I was never, we're client first, we're client based. And if I have an attorney that's doing an amazing job for me to go by to the fly by night, that doesn't have an attorney. So when the things hit the fan, now I've got to go and shop and find an attorney that's willing to take right. our stuff. And they don't like that because you didn't use them to begin with. So now you're not getting your choice. Um, you want them to be the best representation. But separating that title allows you to do the joint venture, which allows you to kind of get some of the marketing money and sponsorships and things that we need to fund our event. Uh, that was another thing. I literally had the pleasure of reading an article and I, I read it in one of the mastermind groups on Facebook 
and they referenced a lender and they weren't allowed to say the name. And I was like, I know who that is. I, I we had already met, we'd already had the conversation. I was like, I don't even, I'm not even going to go to the agent who wrote the article. I'm going straight to the source. And I, I, that's when I reached out to you again and said, Hey, look, we need, we need to have a conversation. And I think we talked like two hours while I walked through a Walmart and couldn't yeah, check out. Time goes fast when I talk with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Likewise. And it was, you know, a great conversation. But one of the things that you do differently that I really like, and if my lenders are listening, which they do, they do this, but maybe not to the extremity you do it. Not only do you you give the buyer confidence in their agent, because you, you do have relationships with the agents you work with, but you also go out of your way to empower them and their business to help support them working by referral <clears throat> because you know our system. But right. And then not only that, but you, you have advocated for the sponsorships. You've advocated for, hey, you're driving this business to your home inspector, your painter, your all of your vendors that you're using. Because truthfully, we spend a ton of money on marketing and then we call you know, a home inspector and we say, hey, show up at noon. And he does. And we vouch for him. He doesn't, you know. Uh, he just gets fed. You're giving him dinner. <laughs> so. Right. And 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 that, that's fine. He earned it to a certain extent because he does a good job. Right. Absolutely. But when we go to do our marketing and we, we're going to need a way to pay for that as things get tighter and tighter. Um, there's only so many ways you can squeeze the dollar. Right. And, and the team that you build, it's important for them. Um, and it, it's important the way you present it to them. And it's easier for me because when I was speaking to the, to the lender, Tom, that, that wrote that article, um, and actually his broker made him write it. He was like at first, and he said, you know, it's really easy. I think I'm going to do another one. When I first was working with him, he did not want to do an event. And I said to him, why aren't you doing client events? He's like, the last time I did one, it cost me almost five grand and my wife was sick. So I was like, so where's your sponsor? He's like, so I said, to, you know, you're giving everyone the opportunity to work with you. You're giving them, you're giving your attorney a deal. You're giving your lender a deal. You're giving your title company, your insurance people, your home inspectors. Um, I said, so you have all these people and your photographers that you're, you know, for that when they do different things for you. I said, all of them should be helping you and supporting you because you're like on the mountaintop, you're the Holy Grail and you have all these people around you that you're supporting your business with yours. So they should be appreciative of the opportunity to help you. So it's really easy for me to call up and say, hey, I just wanted to call and let you know that Tom is having a client event and it's going to be at the Shepherd and the Knucklehead. And I just want to give you the opportunity to sponsor the liquor for that event or to sponsor food for the event or to sponsor the, chi the children's craft corner for that event. There's different things that you can do, even with your photographer. They could take pictures for you. They could do videos. Um, they could do at a fall festival or at your gratitude party. You could have a place set up where they could do family pictures and there's your Popeye and a reason to go back to your clients with it. So even like people, because they say, oh, the photographer, he doesn't have a lot of money. I'm like, but he has a lot of talent and he could take great pictures and do family pictures or pictures of you, different random shots that you can put up on your Instagram and different social media. So there's always a way that somebody can help you, that you have helped in their business. And think about the amount of business that you do, just you and your team, and 
what that means for other people. Because if if your business was siphoned to somebody else who was willing to really partner with you and help you, what would that mean to your other vendors? So you always want to offer your vendor the opportunity first. And you don't want to flood your events with all different vendors. You have to, what you I do is with all my realtors, because I have a lot of different realtors. So in my phone, I tag them with their name. So that if you give me somebody and they call me up and say, hey, my and I get a call and say, hey, my friend, my friend Robbie sent me a referral. She worked with Danny and she said I should call you first. Then I would then give talk to them, get them pre-approved, and I would be calling you and saying, hey, guess what? Your friend Robbie, she referred me this new girl, Monica, and now Monica is going to be your client because it's part of your tree. So I try to keep everybody's tree there. And that's important too because my realtors have to know that Whoever, even if it's somebody that only did one deal with me, I will call them back and say, there's a client that came from one of your clients that we work together on. And usually they're so shocked that they're like, you're giving it to me. I'm like, it was your client. And now if they're not in the business or if they moved away, then I will send it to another one of my realtors. But I really try to keep that, that tree strong so that you know that when you give me somebody, those referrals are going to go back to you. They're not going to go to my girlfriends or my guy friends or whoever, they're going to be your referrals. And that's a trust that you that you need to have. And that's the other thing. It's like, are your referral partners referring you when they can? Are they supporting you? Is do you have um do you have like a, a financial plan that's going to come and do a, a do a seminar with you when you want to talk to your investors about building a real estate portfolio? Do you have that support because do you have appraisers um, that you know that can talk to, I have like my appraiser come talk to my realtors so that they know what appraisers look for. They know about the Fannie Mae report card. They know about the restrictions they have because then it makes you feel a little more confident. If you get an under appraisal, what do you do? So I just as a matter of course, will always try to appeal the appraisal, the appraised value. Sometimes you can't. Because sometimes it's just like so perfect and it is what it is. But oftentimes you can't because don't forget, an appraisal is an opinion of value and everybody has different opinions. So just because my guy, he may have missed something. I had one when I, well, with, um, when I was here and a guy in Hoboken, his, I thought his house would come in at 1.3. It came in at 1.03. It was going to kill my deal. So I did appeal it and I found that he missed a house that closed that day that that he went there and that should have been considered as a comp. So I was hoping for 1.3 and I got, it came back in at like 1.456, which made a tremendous difference to him because he was looking to buy investment property. So just taking him through that process of an appeal, giving him some appraiser speak so he could write a letter. Um, and just guiding him through the process, he went from 1.03 to 1.456, and he was able to really add to his portfolio. And it also strengthens your relationship with them too. If you have a lender that's going to do that for your client, they're going to go back and say, you know, Danny, she was great. She helped me like through the process. She appealed that value. We got it done. Um, so that's a that's a power of team, and it's also 
you don't ask people for money because nobody wants to be hit up for money. So when you're talking to someone, you're giving them the opportunity to come to an event, to have FaceTime, person-to-person contact with your clients. Your title people will love that because when they go to refinance, now they know who to talk to. When they're looking for a house and they, they have an issue with title or an estate sale or something like that, they know who to talk to. Or their appraiser that came, he, they want to do a pre-home inspection with you, um, with one of your inspectors or get a value from one of the appraisers that you know. Those are just all different resources that you can give to people. Um, and if they, I have one guy right now, he's got um, an issue, his sister passed away and her title company the, the survey was wrong and the ti- it's it's the boundaries are wrong and title didn't catch it and they do have errors and omissions and the lender didn't either. So now her house was going into foreclosure after her death and it's like they can't even perfect a foreclosure so don't worry about it because they don't even have the survey done properly. They did not close this loan properly. So now you can stop them from what they're doing and they can you have a little bit of negotiating power. So, and that will come back to the realtor. Now he'll get that sale. So yeah, no, every, I was going to say, everybody we recommend, we get credit for, and we also get the full brunt of the fault. So right. you want to build your team correctly. Uh, one of my more difficult deals will always be when somebody brings their sister-in-law, the attorney or the lender, or the right. they bring somebody from outside my team and they communicate differently and they maybe they're not as you know knowledgeable or when it's my team i don't have to worry i right. i can you know hit you know you've got a divorce attorney that thinks that your real estate is just low hanging fruit right mhm so, right yeah. exactly or hey look we're going to fudge our way through it we really don't know what we're doing but you know we'll figure it out and they will figure it out but not without causing extreme pain or, or they want to flex their muscles. I always know that I have the wrong person when they're like, um, the adversarial litigator is not really a real estate attorney. Because the real estate attorneys don't consider each other adversaries. So kind of, you just know that <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say. Usually I mean, in real estate, we all work together to try to make it happen. So. It's well, and, and there's a way to communicate. And 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 frankly, real estate, we we tend to try to be less litigious. Exactly. Like that's yeah. like, let's find the solution. You want to buy, you want to sell. We're just working on the details. We get the details figured out. Now, don't get me wrong. There's times and places where somebody's dead wrong and you got to do what you got to do. Right. But for the most part, you're advocating for your client. We're working through the terms, you know, and as the market is less uh, lopsided mm-hmm. because the market has shifted. And we'll continue to shift according to bold predictions for the next uh, two quarters, right? Um, th- there's a lot more room for some of that. You know, previously, you're unhappy. That's great. I have five offers. Um, even on the lower dollar things where we do have a bidding war, I'm finding when you go to call the backup offer back, not only are they not willing to give you what they were, they don't want the house at all. They hate it now. They, you know, they they it's like a protective shell. They put up a, about themselves. I lost. That's fine. You chose them. I'm shunned. We're done here. Even if it's... Yeah, you know what I think happens sometimes is when you have so many borrowers going for the same house, people are competitive and mm-hmm. they want to win. So when you're in that competitive situation, they're bidding. And then 
when they're taken out of it and it's taken away from them, then they look at it and they're like, I don't really like that house anyhow, because they try to, they buy emotionally and then they justify, right? So then when you go back to them, they're like, yeah, I didn't really like this. Or I, I don't think it's really worth it. I hated that bathroom or something. So it's, it's uh, but there people are by nature competitive and we all want to win. Like yeah. we're pretty, we're pretty aggressive people. All of us, like we want to win. We want what we want. And if there's 30 people going for the same house, they can get very excited. And then afterwards, you'll have to talk to them because they'll be like, this house has so many issues and I want, and I got it, this and that. You have to remind them that they really wanted that house and some of the good things about it and why they wanted it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like what Brian's talking about. Part of the pent up demand is all the people that won and won that, you know, they went and won that bidding war and uh, now they're in that house and they're going, wait a minute, the, you know, this is not what I thought it was right. um, because it was their option at that time. Now, right. the good news is the market has continued to climb and we didn't have a huge cliff fall. So they're able, you know, as this interest rate starts to adjust and we'll touch on that because you can't not, if you have a lender on your podcast, I think I would be ostracized. Uh, we didn't touch on that, but the, uh, you know, as things improve and the payments, you know, their current rate gets closer to the one they're going to get, they are going to make that move. That's going to happen. There is definitely a pent up demand. It's like what Lawrence Yoon was talking about, where, you know, a couple million more babies were born than people died. Like That's true. I mean, and people are always going to have the need to sell or buy a house. Mm -hmm. Babies are born, kids graduate, someone's getting married, someone's moving out. Parents are empty nesters. They don't need this big house. A lot of people are hanging on to their houses now um, because they're in love with the rate. And mm -hmm. the rate is, um, I had a young couple and they had bought a house and they really wanted to keep their other house because they got a rate. Because I think one of the lowest ones they did, like two and a quarter on a 30-year loan. Never going to get that again. That was a, that was the, we're on death's door COVID rate. Um, Quantitative easing. healthy rate time. But if you, it was in every challenge, there's opportunity. So there was opportunity that people, not everybody wanted to go out and look at houses at that time. Um, it was a really scary time. So they wanted to keep this. And I had to really sit down and talk to them. And I was like, okay, so you got your new house that you absolutely love. You're hanging on to this house and you're, you're making a positive cash flow of about $350 a month. But you have $1,000 in credit card debt. And you have interest that is, it's almost credit cards to me are like a big negative amortization. Every month, your debt grows and grows and grows. Um, and if you pay a little bit and you add to the debt, you're just like putting a big piece of coal on your head. So I told him, I was like, think about it because you might want to call your realtor back and sell this house because it's not a blessing to you, really. It has served you. It has served you so well. And the best way this house can serve you right now is to sell it, get a great price for it, and get rid of that credit card debt. And just, you're gonna feel so much lighter. And they thought about it and they did end up selling the house because they just wanted it because they didn't want to lose the rate. And mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't worth, okay, you're making 300, but you're putting out a thousand, so you're negative 700 every month. So how is that really helping you? Well, that's that's another thing that you mentioned to me that really made sense to me. Uh, a lot of the times we're looking at just the the how to make this mortgage as little as possible. Well, 
even with the high interest rate at a mortgage, credit card rate is a lot higher. The car payment may be a lot higher. The well, you're talking, yeah, credit cards are like what? Um, I had some people that have 27, 28%. Mm -hmm. And I was just checking on my rates and I have 12 on one. And I felt like, what are, what are I I've got 12%. And that's like, if I was offering someone a 12% rate on a mortgage, they would be out of their mind. Um, but we're, it's so, and, and when you go to buy a car, car rates are higher too. Mm -hmm. We, when you buy a car, you look at what's affordable for you. You don't look at the rate and then look at that product that you want. You look at, this is the car I want. Now, what can I afford? Okay, I can't afford the Jag, so I can't afford the Mercedes. So I'm going to get the Hyundai or I'm going to get the, I want to get a hybrid, but I can't afford this one. So then I'll get that one. It's very different when you're looking at a house. People have a whole different mindset about um, rates and about a house. So. I, I tell people, you know, pick those cyclical. You look from the beginning. I went through that mortgage meltdown um, where people were doing things that were crazy and that were immoral. Like, I think the best movie on that was The Big Short. Mm -hmm. It was probably one of the most realistic movies. I feel like I worked with some of those people in the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like refinancing people for an eighth of a percent um, or taking advantage of someone with a negative amortization loan. Um, just things that you could do back in those times that would really be hurting somebody instead of serving them. So my philosophy is you serve with the servant's heart, always do what's right for the client, what's right for me. Because if you serve well, you're never going to have to look for another victim. You're going to just get referrals. And I don't, I don't want to fill my life with victims. I want to fill my life with happy people that have been well served and that have good relationships with everybody. Yeah, I mean, you're you're there. You have a fiduciary responsibility to help them do what's best for them. Now, yeah. you're going to give them advice. They're going to make decisions, and we're going to honor their decision and help them execute on that. With that right. said, you know, we should be giving the best advice that we, you know, that we have. We should be taking care of our clients. Um, one of the hacks that we did this year is we we were chasing people who had to sell. We weren't yeah. because. I could not sit across from somebody and say, look, you got a 3%, we can get you a 7% and that bedroom will be a hundred square feet larger. And don't you want to do that? But maybe in an emotional moment they did, but, but it's not the right answer. The same way you're probably not calling people and saying, well, the rate dropped from eight to seven, it's time to refi. If you believe, if you honestly believe that the rate's going to drop below that in the in the foreseeable future, that's, you know, maybe you get two four, two refis. Maybe they never call you again. Yeah, or maybe you get uh, tapped on the shoulder by banking commission for equity stripping. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not. It's you got to think about what's really good for your clients and what's good for the people and care about them. And I really do care about them. So I I, I tend to be a little bit more conservative because I I tell them you can afford the eight hundred thousand dollar house, but would you be happy in the $700,000 house going on vacation or going out to dinner? Don't make yourself like so much that you can't breathe and that your every vacation is going to be a staycation because you just had to have something that was just too much for you. So you have to, because you can always trade up to it. You did the house that you buy is not, may not be your forever house, especially right now. There's short inventory. So you might have to change your parameters of what you want. 
You might not be able to get the three-bedroom house. Maybe the two-bedroom is good for you for now. Is it good for you for now? Do you want a tax advantage or do you want to just keep paying like $2,500 rental and not have anything to show, not have any kind of tax benefit? Or sit in a house for a minute that's not your dream house, that's going to give you a nice tax advantage, going to build you up some equity. You're going to be able to sell it, step up and move up, and also not become Uncle Sam's favorite son and daughter for the rest of your life. Let's... That's the other thing. When people come to you and they say, this is my dream house, and you say, we will get you there. It just not might take a couple of houses to get there, right? right. I want that's this. True. That's great. You don't need that right now. This is what you can afford. And by buying this, when the rate, when you're freezing the market, if the market goes up, your house goes up. And when you have something to right. sell, and now you have a down payment, if you don't buy this, because you're trying to save for that, when the market goes up, it's working against you, right? There is no equalizer. I, I had one young guy and he was um, self-employed and he was he wanted a million dollar house so bad that he was willing to redo his taxes and pay almost $100,000 in taxes so he could get the money to buy this house. And I, and I said to him, why do you need that million dollar house so bad right now? Your business is young. You're not five years old yet. So I need two years of taxes. So you're going to have to amend two years of taxes. Why wouldn't you want to just buy a two family now or a small house and use it as a rental or sell it and get some equity? Because you're going to, you just want to skip the step and you're going to have this giant house. You, are you, do you even know what the maintenance of that is going to be like? And he thought about it. He said, can I talk to my accountant? And he said, I should keep you because you made sense. He said, somebody else would just try to push me into the house. And he's like, that would be crazy, right? Not that it's completely crazy if you have a support system that's going to, like maybe your family's a bunch of landscapers and masons and they can take care of all the masonry and all the landscaping at your house. Or, or maybe it's you. And at the end of the day, and you're a truck driver and you're beat, you got to go home and you got to, mow the back 40 right there so it you got to think about those things too because sometimes people it's like you know a little kid who wants a giant piece of cake and you're like you're gonna have a belly so take this little cupcake instead um because people oftentimes will want the dream and mm -hmm. you want you want to make sure that their dream is intact and that they built like um the way brian buffini built was he didn't buy a million dollar house at first at all he got a small little place and he saved his money. And when he invested, I remember he, I had a conversation with him and he said, I always put down 25%. That's just his thing that he likes to do. But you should have, I like people to have reserves so that if something happens, they've got their safety net. And if they're not disciplined, that they put it in another bank that's annoying to go to or in an online bank that you have to wait two days before it's transferred to you. Because your emergency shouldn't be, I want pizza because I'm tired or I mm -hmm. want Uber Eats. Um, I swear that all the young people, like when I look at their credit, when I look at their their bank statements, I'm like, you do a lot of Uber Eats. Like how far are these places from your house? Like go and get I, it yourself. This may show my age, but I would feel ripped off using that. Like I, I tried it one time and I live in a rural area currently and we're moving but to you, the city you have a right to use it but but here's my thing like 
I'm going to pay for it. You brought me the food two hours later after you delivered everyone else's food and you charged me $20 to give me McDonald's. I don't, I don't understand the appeal. I, I, that's just me. That, that's sorry. That I was know. A, those hot rabbit French hole. fries on the way home. <laughs> right. I'm saying that, that's just a rabbit hole. The other thing that I'm seeing is like, we don't want to delay gratification. And, and the, these lenders have gotten really, really smart. And you can put shoes on layaway, three payments, and it's 0% interest as long as you make that payment. What they leave out is if you happen to forget about that because you went on vacation or whatever, oh, and now it's 30 or 40%, and it doesn't show up on the credit either. Like, because they haven't, like the buy laters and the Amazon not yet, sir, and I'm not right. talking the names, but that's a thing that I'm starting to see where it's literally like the credit score and the taxes aren't enough. They've got to literally go through the bank account and make sure there aren't other areas where they borrowed money or, or put something on layaway. Um, it's just another thing that I think that people just need to pay attention to. The other, because, and I, and I know I'm going on a soapbox on this, but wait a minute, maybe you don't really want it. You know what I mean? You want it right then. It's like the old analogy, like, you know, you can buy a, a pack of crackers at a convenience store for this much. Uh, if you wait, you can go to the grocery store and get it for less. Or you can go to BJ's and get it for even less. That's right. A little planning, a little delayed gratification, and you could get the best deal. Uh, I mean, I love getting the best deal too. Like, I don't like paying. I don't like overpaying for things or paying more than I hate paying full price because everything goes on sale. And I always tell clients that too. Everything goes on sale, and discipline yourself because if you live an undisciplined life, it's going to be a hard life. So don't. Buy lunch every single day. If you're in the habit of doing that, bring your buy your lunch on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Bring it Tuesday and Thursday. Buy it and then do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday when you bring it. And then eventually, because when you're saving for a house, you have limited dollars. We just can't like manufacture more money. So you have to be careful with what you're given. I had a guy who came in once. He said to me, uh, I was trying to give him tips on how to save putting a, a savings aside, having money go directly from your paycheck to another account in a different bank so that you're not tempted to just put it over from your own bank. Because some people just can't help it. They're like, oh, I'll just borrow a little bit from my safety account and I'll put it back next week. And it's sometimes it's very hard to do that. So to make yourself be um, a saver, like my savings account is in a bank where it's in the middle of town and it's super crowded. It's just annoying to go to. So I tend not to go there. Um, and then my my just my checking, my working checkings in another account that's kind of more closer to my but you can do things to like your pick or something like that. But with this guy, he said to me, I buy my lunch every day, $15. And if I'm hungry, $15. I'll get another one. It's like, okay. And then I said, So you're a truck driver, you can get like a case of water or get a big jug and like spill your water you know, your water jug up. And he's like, I like my coffee. I'm not bringing it in a thermos. I like it fresh and hot. I said, well, thermoses can keep them really fresh and hot. He's like, nope, I'm going $5 for my coffee. And if I want another one, $5, worth it. He said, and don't say anything because I'm drinking my Corona for the weekends. And I was like, well, that, but that's going to come down to priorities, right? Like well, that's going to come down to like, what was more important? The long-term goal or the short-term? Right. The short-term goal. The home. 
And I told him, I shut my folder and I said, thank you for coming. You're going to make someone a wonderful tenant. And he just looked at me. I said, you're so undisciplined. Everything you're doing is going to be in the bathroom, like 24 to 48 hours. That's not a legacy for your children. Um, I said, when you're ready, I'm happy to help you. But it's just not your priority right now. It's not a house. Priority right. is food and drink. So. so switching gears slightly, you mentioned kind of one of the strategies you do uh, to, to get clients is kind of empowering your agents and helping them and, and, and teaching them the working by referral. What other tweaks do you find helpful as a lender trying to use the working by, by referral system? What other recommendation would you have for the other lenders? And there's several lenders that are in the community. Um, yeah. and, and and I've talked to them and they, they're like, man, you know, there's not a lot here for us, which was well, one of the reasons I yeah, wanted I mean, to do this I one. think that I've been in, I started Papini in 2015. And in 2015, I've been in the top 1% of originators in the country since then. So it does work, but you have to use it as more of an altruistic thing because you can use it to help other people. I use it to help my clients to understand things. I use it to help my realtors. Um, also, so here's a good thing for lenders. I've got a great title company that I love. I have one of my realtors. All they do is new construction from tip to top of the state. That's all they do. They always tell me, we don't sell used houses. Um, so, but they refer them to other agents of mine to sell them because they just want to do the construction. They know everything about DCA, the course of construction, construction firm, end loans, the whole thing. So I have a young builder, young guy, really smart. He's like 33. He bought, he bought a courthouse. Um, who does that? But he, had, he just made a relationship with someone and sold him this courthouse. He works very, very hard. He's from another country, so he totally has the influence edge. But he doesn't have the experience, so he needs access. So I hooked him up with these two realtors of mine that all they do is new construction. The one happens to be head of um, the planning board in his township for 45 years. So he has so much experience and a lot of connections that he's going to help to support this young buck here that wants to be this um, great builder. And they know how to market for new construction. And they are part of my best of the best. So they have a whole network of great realtors, too that they can share these listings with. And then the title company can help him with the land, figuring out what is buildable, what is usable, different usages of the land, what to watch out for. Um, I also had one of my appraisers that I've known for a long time appraise his houses for him. And, and then I got the attorney to help them. So I introduced the attorney to the realtor, so the realtors have the attorney now and they use the title company now. And now I gave them this new builder who just um, closed on a $6.6 million. He's doing eight two-family houses at 800000 and he's doing them all here with me. Um, so I, I hooked him up also with our one-time closed department. So they're, they're doing that. And to ensure that they work with me, he's taking care of all the interest in carrying costs during the course of construction so that if that instead of giving them like a free basement or something he's giving them something that's going to save them money which is that's smart and, and so in short you're you're giving mindset to the agents you're teaching them to work by referral 
you're helping them with their events and making introductions and helping them get sponsorships. And then you're also introducing them to other people, which, which goes back to the classic database sharing. It's like, who do you need to know? Let me introduce you to who you need to know. Let's make these connections. You have this skill and this success. So who are you looking for to work with? Like agent wise. I mean, obviously when you get up to your level, you don't have to pick and choose and you're, you're doing more than just calling agents and saying, Hey, you know, it's, it's Lisa, you want to give me business. Um, right. Which um, is our favorite, yeah. by the way, as an agent, that's our favorite. Really? No, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> um, so I, um, <clears throat> I like to pick agents that are kind of like stuck, like they're just about to grow in And sometimes they're discouraged and they're, they're just about ready to pop. So, and it has to make sense. And when people ask me to sponsor their events, if they don't do business with me, I can't because I have no funds to do it with them, right? So you have to, it's always helpful when they're asking for something. Give first and then ask. Yes, like, no, that's I, huge. It, it is very important because a lot of times realtors will go and they'll ask a title company or they'll ask um, a lender and they'll just ask people to give them money. And then nobody really wants to work with them because they're like, I haven't gotten anything from them. Mm -hmm. And I, I had one of my lender friends told me that, like, yeah, I didn't get anything really from her last year. I said, so then you need to sit down with her and just have an organic conversation. And say, well, last year I sponsored these events. This is what it cost me. And I didn't have any deals from you. So I can't do that again this year. So I can't support your Zillow. And if you want me to support something, this is what it's going to, and this is the kind of business flow I need. I need to have at least one loan a quarter, or I need at least three loans a quarter from you with the amount of volume that you're doing and the, what you are, your expectation of me is. Um, because your lender, they we don't have like, it's not our money, really. It's not like our pockets of money. It's all named and labeled for something. And I, if there's some, there's sometimes that I'd love to sponsor someone's event, but I don't have any income for that so i can't take like from you and say i'm going to take some of danny's money that he has accumulated with me the credits and i'm going to help this person they i will work with them i'll say let's do this i'm going to give you some sweat equity let's do a seminar for first time buyers let's do a seminar like, i'll get your list of 100 so that people know what you're doing you're going to be terrible if they if they buy from danny and he's one of your friends in your know that your cousin is Susie Joe or Bob and they just know him because he's always talking about what he does and he's mm -hmm. always offering people if they need help because you're not being pushy to them you're offering them the opportunity do you need to navigate your way through the financial maze that there is there's so many choices so many different products who do you have that's your trusted guide when you go to buy a house I tell people because a lot of people are concerned with the whole NAR thing and um having real good you need a good strong buyer's agent that has the first of all that gives you the best buyer consultation so you know the difference between a split level a buy level colonial a cape cod so you know what kind of houses you like and what you absolutely don't like and you need to have someone that that says to you that danny is looking at you and saying i got you i'm gonna negotiate this for you I will make sure, or, you know what? That's really not the house. Look, there's so, so much stuff that you're going to do there. 
let's move on. Let's look at something that's better suited for you. Someone that really cares about you, that is mm-hmm. going to find you the house that fits your financial picture, your social emotional picture, your economic needs, your family needs. If you don't, I had one realtor, I didn't know them, but my client bought with them and she is an urban, she's an urban suburban girl. She doesn't, she doesn't go out of her house without makeup on. Like she probably wears makeup to work out. She bought a house way out in the boonies. And I said, now, you know, it's going to be like a 20 minute drive just to get milk. And right. she was like, no, no, it's fine. It's pretty. It's bucolic. She didn't even last a year. She hated it. She thought there was going to be bears coming at her. It wasn't that girl, but she did not like it. She liked, um, she liked to be able to walk into town. She liked the idea of walking over into a park and taking a walk in the park and looking downtown and walking for a latte, just mm-hmm. chatting with people. She was very social and she was lonely there. Um, so you, that's why you need to have a realtor that really looks at you, that focuses on you, and supports you where you are and understands what your needs are. If, if you have a kid with special needs, you need a really good school system. That's someone that takes that time. And when you're just going and trying to look for the selling agent to do both for you, it's okay. Sometimes you'll get a great deal, but the selling agent also has that fiduciary responsibility to get the seller the best too. So your buyer's agent is working for you. The seller's agent works for them. So there is a value to that. Absolutely. And and it's a value for you to hire somebody that's going to help you navigate that. Absolutely. Let's... Switch gears one last time, because I know I've taken up way too much of your time. You've been so generous, uh, especially with everything going on. Um, let's talk interest rates. What What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Um, and is it matching what uh, we heard at Bold Predictions? Uh, well, I do see, I mean, rates are cyclical. They have gone up and down throughout mm-hmm. time. So even if you're a new agent or a new lender, you don't let it move you because it's a cycle. So I always tell people, you date the rate, you marry the house. You buy what you can afford, what's affordable to you. And if you can afford it at a higher rate, it, there's less competition. As these rates go down, you're going to find that the prices are not going to go down. They're probably going to go up because there's, that doesn't mean that the, there's magically more inventory because rates have gone down, right? right? You still have the same lack of inventory. So now everyone tells me like, I just want to wait. I just want to wait. I'm like, you know, if you wait and they go down like 1%, you're going to have about 2.5 million more buyers jump in. So it's going to be like it was when you had 30, 60 offers and you had to do a spreadsheet as a realtor, right? To figure out like, we're just going to take the top 10. I'm not going to overwhelm my client with 45 offers. Um, And 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 prices and everything either. So what what I mean by that is, getting an inspection, getting an appraisal, getting, you know, not having to waive all those things. Shoot, you, I had clients where their credit was great. They just didn't have cash to literally to throw at it. You know what I mean? Literally, I, it, it, you know, you'd hear agents on social media and they'd be banging their chest about how they want a bidding war. And you're like, you want a bidding war because your client had the most money, right. which is great. So you found a great client. That's not, you can't help a client with less money the same way you just did. Well, you kind of can if you have like there's some like this New Jersey has a grant where they can get up to twenty two thousand dollars. And that can be a help if somebody doesn't have a difference for an appraisal short, um, because you you need to have a difference for an appraisal short now, even if, you know, we're not it's not like we're 
doing a hundred thousand over like we did. I remember when I had one guy and he did nine hundred and ninety thousand on an eight hundred and ninety thousand dollar house. And yes. he waived the sale of his house and he waived inspection. I was nervous about it. I called him and I was like, Do you understand? Because waving in my world is very different than waving in your world. Because they'll come to me a lot of times because the realtors don't always explain it. And they're like, oh, you don't have to order an appraisal. I waived it. I'm like, you no, waived, we waived it. the contingency. Yeah, they, but they don't know that. They don't understand that if I get Fanny or Freddie to waive it, then you don't have to do it. But you still have to have an appraisal. Right. And you waiving it means that if it is $100,000 under, and I asked him, I was like, so Scott, what if the worst thing happens and it, and it under appraises? And he was like, well, I've got 80 and my mother will give me 20. Um, and you're okay with that? He's like, I think so. I said, all right. I said, I'm, I feel a little bit sick to my stomach that you did that without talking to me. Um, I would have had you do some kind of contingency because that's a lot of money. So finally, the day came, we walked, we looked every day until his appraisal came in. It came in at 9.95. And he he literally was crying when I told him. He's like, I don't even think I was happy when I was getting married. I can't wait to tell my wife I'm so happy. I was like, well, don't tell her that line. Just tell yeah, her that. Yeah. Leave that one out. They don't like that. And just just so you know, the yeah. uh, so what is your favorite quote? And it doesn't have to be from a Bavini event, but just your favorite quote because I know you're a uh, personal growth person, and I like uh, to hear the good ones. My, I have favorite quotes at different times. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all things, all, this too shall pass is always a good one because things never stay sad all the time. But I like the obstacle is the way because in every obstacle, sometimes the worst things that happen to you give you the most growth mm -hmm. and allow you to help people um, and can be like one of the best business things. So I always try to think, um, like if you have a horrible experience, I had an awful experience with my first investment house. It was terrible. And I didn't, I lost so much money and time with it. And I just think of it as a very expensive seminar. What am I going to do? Tuition if you learned, seminar, right? Right. So I better use the knowledge that I gained from that to help someone not to hit that trap. So I like, I like thinking like the obstacle is the way. And because of that, when I help my, Realtors building like a real estate portfolio. I try to tell them to pepper it with like a single family here or there, so that you're not going to have to sell your cash flow property if you hit a pothole. Because we're all going to hit potholes here. Mm -hmm. It's just when. You know? And but how big yeah, is it? It really, it really is when. So I have a tiny little house that's um, two bedrooms, and I get a nice cash flow on it. But when I bought it in 2019, it was like 188 thousand. Now it's worth 300. So if I had a problem or if I hit a pothole and I was like, oh, I really need a cash infusion here, I could sell it. But for right now, it's just they pay every single utility. They take care of everything. They're great kids. I love mm -hmm. them. And they pay. They just sell me my money like two days before it's ready. Um, it's due. And that was a really good investment. But I didn't get I didn't get to get that without kissing some frogs, too. So, you know, sometimes you think something's going to be great and it's not. And you just have to make the best of it because mm -hmm. just remember, you can always make more money. You can always work a little bit harder. Nothing is like, oh, my gosh, 
I can never buy another house. I can never sell another house. It might mean I have to reset. I got to take a breath and I'll be okay. So sometimes when there's an obstacle, it's just getting ready for a great comeback. And everybody loves the comeback, right? Absolutely. What is your biggest takeaway from an event? So you've been to several events. Some of which um, I've been my with you. biggest takeaway is that, you know, it's really about people and it's about life and not to forget to live your life, to take time for your family, to take time for things. Um, I have a sister who's really sick right now and you can always wish that you had more time. And sometimes we don't, we don't know what we have and we don't know when we're not going to have it. So don't put off going out to lunch with your grandma or like taking time to have a cup of coffee or get a drink with your bestie. Do it. Um, have some experience because life is just like a series of memories. So make some good ones for yourself. Go skydive. Do something fun. Well, absolutely. And hopefully this was a excellent memory for you because I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for taking so much time with me. And for everything you shared for the lenders and especially for agents. Yeah, you I you have one of the most trusted and best things that you do for people. You help them find the place where they're gonna live, they're gonna love, they're gonna raise their families, they're gonna have all the good and bad experiences in the place that you show them and bring them to. And that to me is such an honor that you trust it with that. And I am always honored when people trust me with their paycheck. I want to partner with me, but I do, I did pick five realtors this year that I'm going to work with. And the one that you read the article on, he like more than doubled his income this year in this environment. And I'm so proud of him, but you know, I could tell anybody to do something, but he did it. And mm -hmm. he, um, he made all his calls and he did all his five touches because if you don't do that, your events are going to fall flat. You can't, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta nurture them. It's like a garden. So, and I'm always happy to help people. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Now remind everybody how they can get a hold of you and what markets you serve. Okay. I do serve um, New Jersey, um, New York, Pennsylvania. Um, I have, I really, I can, I can actually pretty much do almost any state. Um, but my, our favorites are Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, um, and Florida. But we can, we do have a, a highway where I can I can manage alone in any state. Best way to get in touch with me, you can um, you can find me on Instagram and Team Lisa Matthews. You can you can uh, find me really pretty much anywhere on Facebook as well. You can direct message me um, or you can call me. So and my number is 908-358-3359. I'm always happy to answer questions and happy to help anybody. So but thank you for your time. And I think that you're really blessed to be giving this podcast out to people because you always you always have great content and have such a great attitude too. It's great. Well, thank, thank you so you much. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to apply this information to your business immediately. This message will not self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, agents.